The Shady Hoosier Detective Agency Ghost Busting Mystery Episode 9 Chapter 9 The White River Boat and Gun Club is not hoity-toity, unless you were born in Pawpaw County. If so, the place is pretty much a yacht club and the country club all rolled up into one. Its events were the height of the Knobby Waters social scene, especially in the summer months when fishing and hunting were in full swing. The clubhouse is your basic fishing camp bunkhouse, made of tacked-together gray-weathered wood with a mossy tin roof. Inside, under exposed rafters, a handful of chipped folding tables were strewn about. There was a kitchen in the back with white metal cabinets where fish fries were held in the summer, and bake sales for 4-H and the Boy Scouts were held in the fall. A wide, screened porch wrapped around the clubhouse. Fly strips loaded with winged bugs twisted like big yellow corkscrews in the river breeze that blew around the porch. Rocking chairs and hammocks were scattered haphazardly along the porch. The clubhouse sat on stilts on the sandy lip of the White River. It was nested in an elbow bend in the east fork of the White River, where Greasy Creek trickled into the main waterway. Sycamores, weeping willows, box elders, and a sprinkling of maples shaded the wide, chocolate-covered water. Clouds of mosquitoes hung over the place. Not far in the distance, you could see the covered bridge and the tractor turnoff road to the Moon Glow Motor Lodge. When we arrived, Sheriff Boots Gibson was sitting on a dented red pop cooler, fishing off the end of the porch. He had on a cowboy hat and his customary blue jeans. He cast a long line and then shot us a one-handed wave. The deep, wide channel he was casting into was known as the Greasy Creek Catfish Honey Hole. Legends had been caught off that porch. According to the fishermen and women of Pawpaw County, some of the catfish that flipped and dove in that deep hole were big enough to saddle up and ride. We waved back at Boots. Vini said, Your boy, Grape Nuts Gibson, didn't look all that happy to see us. Vini had been calling Boots Gibson Grape Nuts since we were kids hanging together in vacation Bible school. Boots got hold of some grape Kool-Aid powder out of the rectory kitchen, licked his fingers, and ate off the sugary purple mess, then later latched on to himself to take a leak. The rest was local legend. He wasn't that fond of the nickname himself, preferred Boots. He'll get over it. We're making him work for a living. You know how he hates that. You ought to date the poor fella. Put him out of his gosh darn misery. Boots had been in love with me since second grade, or so said the rumor mill. I'd been married once. My husband, Charlie Whiskers Wascom, had died suddenly. His ticker burst on him 20 years ago, right in the middle of his drawn-up-of-farm insurance quote. 
He had gone face down in a bowl of German potato salad during the closing pitch. He traveled the express lane to the holy hereafter, just like that. I'd grieved over him for a good couple of years. Then, one day, I woke up and suddenly felt pretty, well, okay. Marriage, in hindsight, had been a heap of work. I didn't plan on having any more amorous entanglements. I had two all-right kids, all grown. I pretty much like being a lone wolf at this state of the game. If I ever had to revisit the sex stage of my life, I was planning on making it a DIY project. I don't want to date. I'm leaving that to you and Sassy, I said to Vini. I get all the lurid excitement I need just watching the two of you. Sassy, Sue Ann Smith, was a divorcee, our age, who rented a room from us. She had recently returned to town from California and was working her way through anything that could still stand and take a leak. We hadn't seen her at the house lately, so she must have trapped someone who thought she was worth feeding and watering for a few days. She was that kind of woman, an ace at husband hunting. Dickie Freeman hopped up the steps and greeted us. We'd both known him for a coon's age. He was widowed and a few years younger than Vini. He was cute as a button and easy going. Trim little guy. Loved to dance. Still had some strawberry blonde hair nested above his ears. Dimples the size of Clark Gable. He called Vini his little firecracker and loved poking at her until she sputtered. He carried a dented green metal toolbox in one hand. Want me to give the old Impala a once-over, gals? We nodded and followed him down the steps to the back sand lot where the Chevy was parked under some willows. A swarm of black river flies floated after us. When we got to the car, Vini reached under the front seat and yanked out a spray can of WD-40. She let go at the flies. They fell to the ground like wet, oily raisins. She got the WD-40 on my glasses, and I ended up groping around in the glove compartment looking for some napkins to wipe off the oil. I found a lace garter, not mine, and I wasn't about to ask Vini, and managed to smear my glasses clean enough to see Dickie. Dickie popped the hood and stuck half his body under there while I ignited the Impala. Smoke rolled out like one of those Chinese black snake coils we used to light on the sidewalk during Fourth of July as kids. Dickie stumbled backward and waved the smell from his face. Lord God, Jesus in heaven, what have you gals been doing? It smells like you've been boiling possum on this engine block. Vini stuck her head out the window of the Chevy. Is that bad? Dicky made a face. When was the last time you had an inspection? I leaned forward and squinted at the sticker on the windshield. Two years ago? Aw, oh, heck. You're driving illegally, you realize. Vini jumped in. We're not illegal. She has a driver's license. Dicky shook his head and wiped his hands on a red shop rag. 
car has to be inspected every year, gals. You know that. I did know that, but since Dickie had retired, I didn't like my odds of the Impala passing an inspection. Spike Hill, the young guy who bought the Lubit up from Dickie, had two fishing hooks in his bottom lip and abnormally short arms and legs. He looked like something that belonged in a circus, and he did not appear the least bit susceptible to my senior charms. Can't you inspect it for us? Could, maybe. The boys still like me down at the lube it up. But you're gonna need a whole new radiator. Some engine work. She's burning a buttload of oil. Vini looked at me accusatively. This is because you buy that cheap gas at the Korean Go-Go. That place is run by Ruskies. You know the Koreans are plotting to blow us up again. You ought to buy Philip 66 flight fuel. That stuff runs rockets. Philip 66 don't exist no more, I said. Also, stop picking at me, Lavinia. Dickie said he could fix it. No problem, said Dickie, checking his watch. But can't do it today. Got to order a radiator. Talk to Spike about reserving a bay to do the work. It could take a week. He slammed shut the hood. Vini smooched him up. Thanks, honey bun. You bet, sweet pea, he said in return. I rolled my eyes. I went to back out of the sandlot, but Boots Gibson was standing square behind me, hands on hips. One hand was holding a string of catfish, his catch for the day. Uh-oh, Vini said. Busted. Boots strolled up and peered in my window. You want to see my license? I said. Smart ass, he said. Vini piped up. We weren't doing anything illegal. Boots moved his head farther through the window. Lavinia, the way you say that makes me think you were. Oh, for Pete's sake, what is it you want, Boots? Well, I was going to tell you that April called. She has a cause of death on that skeleton. But I reckon I won't be pestering you two anymore. Boots, I called. You come straight back here. He did. Tell us what April said. Well, all the tests aren't back yet. But she has some things down pat. First off, the skeleton was a young woman. We figured as much from the clothes. Vini piped up. Could have been one of them cross-dressers. J. Edgar Hoover wore ball gowns. Pumps, too. If he'd died in one of them get-ups, you might have thought he was Queen Victoria or some other horse-faced old lady. Ignoring Vini, Boots continued. Died of arsenic poisoning. Big hits of the stuff in her hair and nails. Just thought you'd like to know this is now an official county murder investigation. About time, Vini said. We told you something bad was going down out there at that mansion. Horse patootie, said Boots. That woman died a century ago. If she was killed, and that is a hell of a big if, whoever did it is long gone. 
You just created a mess of paperwork for me. Plus, I got to listen to Devin chatter on and on about how he's a cold case forensics expert now. He's strutting around in his beret like he's the star of CSI Nobby Waters. I may have to take him out to my back 40 and shoot him just to gain some peace and quiet. Vini leaned forward. You got any suspects? Heck no. We don't even know who the woman is yet. They're plugging her DNA into the convicted felons database. They're hoping to get some match that will tell us her local kin line. I bet it's Alta Iona. Alta Iona? asked Boots. Alta Iona Aulis, I said. She was Jedediah's young wife. He took her dowry with him along with the contents of the bank vault when he rode out of town in 1919. Vini piped up. She went batshit crazy when he betrayed her, stole her family fortune and her heart, left her knocked up, sent her to the insane asylum, locked her up like a loony. Boots made a face. Then how'd she get back here? We don't know, I said. Vini said, we're holding a seance to ask her. A seance? Yup, we got us a professional medium. We're setting her up out at the Wyatt Mansion so we can talk directly to Alta. Solve the mystery. No, you're not, said Boots. You're definitely not doing that. Vini leaned over. You're not the boss of me, Grape Nuts Gibson. The sheriff clutched his badge. This here says I am, Lavinia. Oh boy, if Vini didn't shut up, I was going to be visiting her in the county jail and taking her sharp spoons and shit so she could tunnel out. I asked Boots why we couldn't have a seance. That mansion is a crime scene now. No one can enter that property unless they are working for the state forensics team. Thanks to you two, it's going to take months to get through all the red tape on this case. That shut Vini up. Me too, for a spell. I'll be off now, said Boots. He took his string of fish and sauntered over to his pickup truck. He tossed the fish into the cooler in the back bed and eased out of the sand lot onto the gravel road back to town. Well, I said. Well, echoed Vini. I think we've been put in our place. We certainly have been. Totally. I fired up the Impala. Smoke steamed off the hood. Where are we going, Ruby Jane? Vini asked. To see Randy Aulis. Vini's little eyes brightened. I'm thinking maybe he knows something about Alta. Then I think we need to call up Dode and Candy. Arrange what time the seance ought to be. Arrange to pick up Candy tomorrow night so we can get this dog and pony show on the road. Vini flashed a grin. Bootsy boy won't like that. Probably not. Definitely not. But it doesn't really matter what Bootsy boy likes. We're not inviting him to this little shindig. 
I said as I swung the Chevy up the steep brick plant hill road. Thank you.